delivery is there and the way they play them. What about Peter O'Mahony? I just oh, exceptional. A sensational performance. Yeah. Jack O'Donoghue and Hodnett. The three of them in the back row. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. GAA Late Night. Live every Sunday evening, 8.30 on Twitter Spaces. Follow at Off The Ball. Tommy. Guy Regan, good afternoon. How are you doing? Good evening, yeah. Great, thanks. And you? Yeah, brilliant. What a weekend of action we've had. Brilliant. Savage stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, it's been class. It's been class. Plenty of people are joining the spaces here, Dahi. It is GEA late night. Myself and yourself are along for the hour. But what do we want, Dahi? We want people to call in, don't we? <coughs> Love to hear from people from Tyrone as well. That was, uh, that wasn't quite a hammering today wasn't it I mean I've just been looking at the photograph that, again on the news there of uh, Cody and Henry Sheffs and I mean what an extraordinary handshake unbelievable oh my god I mean there was it wasn't exactly a look of love Tommy was it wasn't it now I, I do think there was nothing but respect there but there's a coldness in that handshake yeah there was I mean let's not blow it out of proportion I mean it was in it was in moments uh, of final whistle, and Cody obviously thought that they'd saved themselves with the goal. And then the yeah. free, you just need to see that again. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't convinced the first time if it was. So I just think he was extraordinarily, you know, shocked at the result and what had happened and unfolded in the previous sixty seconds for a goal to a free and to losing, and it was like. You know, you haven't seen the last of us. Huge respect, of course. There's huge respect, and the man's a winner. But it was, it was, it was just extraordinary to look at them. It was the slow motion replay. It was just magic. There's a couple of uh, gifts doing. The I saw them. Shown. I saw them. <laughs> Did you see some people? I, I saw Joe Malloy and Colin Buig, uh, some of my colleagues in football, tweeting photographs of the Mick McCarthy Roy Keane yeah. handshake. Com- completely different context, but like in terms of. Irish sporting handshakes. You could do a PhD or a study on those two. <laughs> I think Joe made the point there was a lot more love in the uh, than the uh, in, in the Roy Keane Mick McCarthy one than there was in that one today. But it was a little bit awkward for Henry because he was nearly trying to pull his hand back and, and yeah. move away like and, and Cody just <laughs> it, like you know I'm, uh, uh, you're going to get this message from me. But it was sure. Listen, you know it's one of the things we want to talk about this evening. If you know, let, let, let's get on, guys, and tell us what you think. 100%, 100%. So basically how it works, folks, um, people are joining the space now. All you have to do is request to speak. We want to hear from you. So we're going to rattle through the games. We're going to chat through some of the action from the weekend. I'll go through the results now in a minute. But you set the talking points. The listeners at home, this is your chance. We're going to hand over the mic to you and let you put your points across from the weekend's championship action. So it's open to everyone from every county across the board. I ended up being in Ennis last night, Dahi, for that historic penalty shootout. It was absolutely remarkable between Clare and Limerick in the Munster Senior Football Championship. I saw you uh, tweeting about it. Yeah, it was, it was, was it getting to the stage? It was getting pretty dark as well. No floodlights in Cusick Park. So yeah, Connor Lane, um, he found a couple of minutes out of nowhere to find a draw and extra time was running. And, uh, even afterwards, there was about 10, 15 minutes, I think, between the end of extra time and the penalty shootout beginning. Or it certainly felt like that, where I think people are trying to gather themselves and decide on their shooters. And you were just thinking, lads, you better hurry up. It's going to be pure darkness here in about five minutes. But, yeah. Uh, yeah unbelievable. Stuff. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like we live only a couple of minutes from Ennis. It was, I think it was nearly half 10 when we got home last night. After wow. 
just the kind of reaction and chatting to people. Great have. excitement. Do you like it, Tommy? Do you like the penalty shootout? Do you think it's a good way of doing it? I'll be honest, I, I'd love to hear from some Limerick and Clare fans on it. It's not for me. I was a neutral there last night. And, well, I don't know if it's not for me. I, I, I just can't shake it. There was a strange feeling watching the players. I don't know, maybe, maybe all penalty shootouts are like that when you experience them. I know in soccer, I'm nearly willing on a penalty shootout because ultimately I don't really care if a professional footballer misses the penalty. Yeah. I just felt awful bad for, for some of the care lads last night. Involved, yeah, penalty, you know? The Limerick boys, I don't know if you saw it, there's a photo of the five Limerick lads who had chosen to take the penalties. And you've never seen a photo with five more confident fellas in your life. They are just, they're laughing right before the shootouts and did they nail those penalties. Yeah. And then Par Anahan, who, who played with Limerick, he pointed out to me later on, if you look at the boots, um, I think only one of the lads had black boots. They were all, they were all ready to take those penalties. They'd obviously been practicing them. So we have actually our first caller in. Um, so I'm going to let in Pat Neenan here, a doing big man. So Pat, you're very welcome to the, the GA late night. He's just joining there, so it'll take him a second to connect. Pat, you're welcome. Were you in Ennis last night at Clare and Limerick? Hello, Tommy. Pat, you how are you doing? You're welcome. You're welcome to GA Late Night. We can. Dahi Regan's with you as well. Peter, Pat, how are you? Not so bad. Well, not so good either. I'm a Clareman and a, and a <laughs> football man. Okay, you're a Clare football man. Fill us in. What, what are you thinking after last night? Oh, it's, a, it's it mixed emotions, really, I suppose. I've, coming from a football point of view, I think it was, I think you were kind of alluding it to yourself there, Tommy, in your tweets and stuff. It was a great night to be to be present for such an event, you know. Um it was a great game of football, you know, up and down, ebbed and flowed. I thought, I thought Clare kind of let Limerick get a football in the game in that first half. I thought they stood up quite a bit. Um, I thought we were looking to get that penalty before half time, you know, to get us kind of back into the game. Um, I don't know where Connor Lane got the minute, the minute to 90 seconds to, for, for Limerick to get that equaliser at the end, that kind of, that kind of stuck with me a little bit, but look, overall, you know, I, I wouldn't begrudge it to Limerick. I thought, I think they've been coming all year, and I think anyone who's been tuned into the leagues saw a performance like that coming from Limerick. Um, I was hoping we get over the line, but you know, fair play to them anyway. They, they go on to tip in the semi, you know. Yeah, Pat, it certainly felt like Claire had timed that comeback perfectly. I, I get what you're saying about uh, stepping off them. There was a certain kick out on whether they should push up, but when Jamie Malone puts. I don't know if you saw this, Dahi. Jamie Malone puts Clare in front for the first time in a long time in the 74th minute. It's the fourth minute of four added minutes. I don't know where Conor Lane got that extra minute from either, Pat. Oh, it was, it was quite frustrating, you know. It's, it's, it, and going back through, through the years of Gaelic football, it's usually to get the replay, but there, was going, there, was, there wasn't going to be a replay. There wasn't even money in it for the GA. Yeah, you kind of look at it and say... But there's going to be, you know, that was always the thing before. I mean, chatting to Brian Gavin about this before. And of course, referees, you know, will let a thing run if there's an opportunity to draw to draw a game. And I mean, how many times has it happened before? And you get a huge crowd at a replay. But with this, there was no... But, um, no I, 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 Claire are probably kicking themselves with some of the shooting decisions as well, Pat, are they? Oh, definitely. I mean, they're... I think it was the last minute of normal time. We had a, an unbelievable goal chance. But, like, I think the smart one needs to pop that ball over the bar and then Limerick need two points in the game, you know? Um, now, look, there, I suppose, live by the sword, die by the sword. You know, Cooney went for the goal and it didn't come off for him. 
But um, I thought if yeah, we popped I, it over the bar, I thought that could, you know, that that could have nailed it. Yeah, I I had that debate in the stadium with a, a buddy who was sitting beside me, Killian Fair, who would have played with Limerick, and uh, I don't I don't think you take the point there. I think you go for goal. And I heard that actually Cooney was unlucky. I think I think it could have been a he could have been tackled as well as he took that shot. So it was a bit tamer. Pat, oh, anything yeah. else you want to throw at throw at Dahi before uh, before we let you go? Um, like, um, well, I think one of the well, I just think one of the biggest shames is that only less than three thousand people saw that game last night. Oh, look, I, I, I the, the entire GA community are are crying out for some kind of a, a streaming service where you just have access to all these games, and like it is an absolute shame. And I, I think it was a privilege to be there last night, and you know the odds are that even the highlights package isn't going to be isn't going to be that great you know, for the game so yeah that would definitely be a big talking point as well but uh, no I'll let you go there lads and let you drive on the show but, um, I just said I'd pick up on there for a few minutes take Randy Pat thanks a million we'll speak to you again soon appreciate it um, oh, hard luck to Clare last night oh, they were right. beaten in football and penalties by Limerick an absolutely sensational game Dahi like, what do you make of the, the streaming argument that's there? Like, we we do only get, and there is, there's a, a, a rights deal that's in place at the minute. That's already been done. Um, so there's not very much I suppose they can do at the minute. But the next rights deal, they have to open it up to like YouTube and TikTok and, and everything. Like, like the, the amount of um, viral moments that's been missed is kind of hard to excuse at the minute. Ah, it is, particularly this day and age. I mean, I have a brother in uh, in Kurdistan, and he was watching the Tottenham game, and he was sending me, oh, you can get it on, uh, you can get it on, um, I was in Scandinavia a number of weeks ago with a, working, and I was with a colleague of mine over there, and I was looking to see a Spurs-Burnley game, so we downloaded an app on my phone, and it's, everything is on it. The box office, the whole works, and I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter lately about this as well, with really good GA people basically bemoaning the fact that this facility isn't there. So we're going to talk about, you know, Cork and Clare hopefully at some stage tonight and some feedbacks from listeners. But again, no opportunity. It was on, on Go. Was it streamed on GA Go? Yeah, you could buy it on GA Go. You absolutely could. Cork buy it on GA Go. But I mean, there's so many games happening this weekend. Like, it's, you know, the GA fraternity love games, love looking at games. Um, when is the next deal as a matter of interest? Uh, I should have checked that before I come on here. I'm pretty sure it's soon, to be honest with you. Um, I'm pretty sure it's pretty soon. But yeah, like, I think there's a huge demand for action at the minute. And let's try if we can get to see the players. Dahi, you might mute yourself there for a second. I think you might be a bit too close to the mic. So you might just have a look at that. I'm going to run through the results here. Just have a look at your setup there. There's just a bit of feedback coming. So there were 16 championship games this weekend. Just a reminder to everyone, hop on for a chat. Throw on the mic there. Have a chat with us. Two minutes. Dahi won't bite. I won't bite. We want to hear from you. So any game you're at this weekend, any thoughts you have on the weekend's action, just jump in and have a chat with us. So in the Ulster quarterfinals today, the All-Ireland champions, Tyrone, 118 to 10 points. I'd love to hear from anybody who was at Healy Park or anyone who was watching that game on TV today. Hard to get your head around how big a beating that was, but Tyrone two men sent off. They seemed to lose the head at times. Rory Gallagher and Derry put together an exhibition, 118 to 10 points. And yesterday, part of one of the results that we saw, there was a lot of lopsided results in the provincial championships again this weekend in the football. Monaghan, 23 points to shot the lights out. Monaghan, 23 points, down 2-7. Down football has slipped quite a bit in the last little while. Um, James McCartan has a tough job in his hands at the minute. Would love to hear from any down fans if they want to call in 
or any Monaghan fans if they're particularly excited to face Derry in the Ulster semi-final in two weeks' time. We had four Leinster Senior Football Championship quarterfinals. Mead 4-13, Wicklow 12 points. Uh, sorry, Wicklow won 12. Wicklow scored a layer. There, hammered loud. 222 to 12 points. Very strong performance from Kildare. How excited are they for the Leinster Championship semi-final draw tonight? Surely Kildare fans are buzzing. We want to hear from you tonight on GA Late Night. Don't wait for Jerry Gilroy to try and play it down on Tuesday morning on OTPAM. Hop on today for a chat. And then the dubs are back. 124 to 4 points against Wexford. Again, huge, huge um, chasm in the scorelines in the Leinster Senior Football Championship this weekend, which is a, a pity in many ways. But um, the dubs are back there. Conor Callaghan shot the lights out and Brian Fenton kicked a couple of points. And Westmead put on a, a shooting exhibition. 313 to 14 against Longford. What a game that was. Very contentious towards the end. Would love to hear from anyone who's in Pierce Stadium. And then again, lopsided results in the rest of them. Uh, Wexford 620, Leash 12 points. And Westmead, Westmead made a good fist of it against Dublin, 116-27. to 27. In the Munster Senior Hurtling Championship round, Robin, Clare 28, Cork 220. Dahi Regan, can I bring you back in here on this one? What is going on with Cork Hurling? What is going on with Cork Hurling is right. I mean, I, I was looking at Twitter feed there of a number of Cork supporters um, and they made changes and they made some of the changes that they went for. Um, and still the concession at 28 points. Now, it's phenomenal. Let's face it, they weren't probably the team that people expected to go through. Limerick and Waterford certainly were. And I think then after that, it was kind of uh, a toss-up between Tip and Cork. But after a really kind of pretty good league campaign, albeit everything just seems to have crumbled from the league final on. Um, and again today, the only surprise apparently, uh, and I was watching the uh, Galway game, is that Cork yes. within two points. That Clare were a far better side than Cork. I mean, they now face Tip and they now face uh, Waterford. And you could probably say with great surety, that's the end of Cork season. Absolutely, most likely. And in terms of the Cork management, Dahi, like at what stage are we asking questions about Kieran Kingston and how long he's been involved in Cork there? team and their performances, those questions have been asked and they've been asked loudly for quite a period of time. Um, going back to the All-Ireland final last year, which was pretty dismal. So anyway, that have got a settled team and they were playing a brand of hurling that, you know, was fast, fast pace, fast movement, accuracy, speed, overlapping. And we judged a lot of that principally on the Limerick performance where Limerick clearly, patently now, we're at about 40 or 50% and the championship doesn't lie. So yeah. it's it's absolutely really, really bad for Cork because they do have fine hurlers. But I have to say, not just with Kieran, but I have not liked the way Cork have played hurling over the last number of years. I think it lets down a talented bunch of players because I do think that they're a talented bunch of players. But I just think the type of game that they're playing, it's like they're ball players. And we're good when we have the ball, but the way Hurling has gone now, Cork are just not geared for that whatsoever. They have no knowledge or notion what it is to win really hard ball and win it successively and win next ball and next ball and next job and next job. It's fine if it's the hand, but outside of that, it's like they prefer if Hurling was a no-contact sport, then they'd be, they'd be winning everything. So, 
the style that they play, they're just not geared to, to, to where Hurling is at the moment. And, and they are fine players and they have huge pace. But from a Cork perspective, it's very, very disappointing if you're a Cork GA person. Oh, hey, I'm just going to bring in Michael McCarthy here. I think we have him for about 90 seconds. Mick is going to chat. He's the off-the-ball producer with a Dublin accent, but he's a clear man at heart. Mick, can you come in? I'm here, Tommy. Talk to us. You were watching Clare Cork today. I was, was yeah, 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 yeah. 10 euro on uh, GA Go and the price of not watching the other match, which was the problem. But, was it, uh, was yeah. it worth it? Was it worth it? Uh, I was, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. I thought the first 25, 30 minutes was the best I can ever remember Clare playing, to be honest. I don't know if you agree. You see the, the great Clare teams a bit more up close and personal, but... God, I don't ever remember being as dominant on both ends of the pitch, like everywhere. They thought they were fantastic. I think they probably tired of this. It's probably understandable. Cork got a bit more into it and Cork stopped themselves out of it a little bit at times. I think kept it alive more than they'd like. So it's probably not a bad thing after two wins from two to be nowhere near a 70-minute performance either, you know, so without being too over the top. But Jesus, yeah, you'd have to be delighted. Like, Make a real quick question for you. Like it, it has to be tapered with uh, a warning in that if you look at Tip and you look at Cork, yeah. they've been poor in this championship. Now, Clare have done what they've had to do. I mean, the ease with which Clare opened up Tip last week was quite extraordinary. There's an element of poor defensive play, but there's a really, really good element of playing the two guys inside, quick ball in, you know, Tony Kelly at times playing on the fringes last week, but that left corridors or room because, you know, Tip had him tagged. And it just seemed to leave a lot of space. I don't know, did that apply today or whatever? But we, we, cert- we certainly get a better semblance, Mick, won't we, uh, in the next two games against Waterford and um, against Waterford and Limerick. But by God, they've done what they've had to do in the first two games. And there's every likelihood that you know Claire, Claire are going to be out of Munster and underway to the latter stages of the championship. Yeah, and you know they're the two they're the two key games, Dotty, and they were all year, you know, yeah. and like that's what they were targeting. They knew they had the first week off, they knew they had to hit the ground running. And to be honest, like in the way it's fallen now, it couldn't have fallen better because Waterford and Limerick are both gonna be coming in to Ennis for their last match. We'll see if if Limerick beat Tip next week, they're already in a Munster final more or less. If Waterford might might be the same or it might be at least true by the time they come down. So, you know, Clare are putting themselves in a position where they might not even have to go, you know, face Waterford or Limerick at their very best while they're still improving, while they're still finding their form. I'd agree with you on the opposition. It's a huge part of it. And last week, while everybody was getting excited, I was kind of... It really was. And it's not too different today. But at the same time, you have to say, Lowen's won the battle both times. As you mentioned, Kelly been out of things. That was almost planned in a way. Like, he was going off one direction uh, with two or three lads while the ball went the other countless times last week you know um, so look I'd have to say that it looks like the manager has got things right he's got them hurling to their best and there's I think there's good performances all over the pitch Dottie as well do you know what I mean like Rory Hayes today had one of those performances that you'd be gushing about if you were in a full back line you know and like even and, and even still it wasn't perfect perfect because Cork's first goal kind of came from a little mini mistake that he made you know but it's it's all over the place Shane O'Donnell's back and you know ties everything together in that forward line and Peter Duggan kind of adding like geez he had a couple of lovely scores today he kind of ran out of gas in the second half as well he's going to only get her. <laughs> make, make, so, before rare enough I'd be positive that he knows me a long time <laughs> yeah before we let you go talk to us about the state of Cork hurling what is going on Oh look, I don't know. It's uh, it's not good, really, is it? It was weird because the the team they picked suggested to me that it was 
a reaction to pressure in some ways. I, I would probably agree that they had to make the change that they had, but I didn't feel like that they were mass like behind it as a management team. So it was kind of like it was kind of for the sake of it, really, you know. So I don't know. Um, I have to run here, but I would say <laughs> that uh, the lads know more than I do. But at the same time, yeah, you'd be very, very, very worried and upset and pissed off if you were a Cork fan. Yeah, 100%. Well, look, we want to hear from some Cork fans, so this is your chance to have your say. We're opening up the mics to you. Michael McCarthy, thanks very much for joining us on GA Late Night. Get back to your busy evening. Thank you. Dahi, um, Clare fans must be excited. What a perfect way to start your 2022 Munster campaign. Yeah, it is, and it's it's really solidifies everything that Brian has been doing, you know, over the last year. He had a really good um, first year last year, and yeah, I know, talking to Anthony Daly there, that they were quietly confident. I mean, the bookies got that one so wrong today. Cork were four to six uh, for that game. Now, they don't normally get it wrong, but I just could not understand, Tommy, what the foundation was for that because you had Clare playing very, very well in their first game uh, and having a really good win last week, looking absolutely really on fire against yeah. the Cork team who were who were destroyed in the first game and the Cork public were baying for blood and yet, Yet they were favourites, so a bit of a disservice to Clare on that one, and maybe a little bit of a chip on the shoulder as well, going out. Um, and the man's, you know, this is what we've done. They've done nothing, and yet they're still been tipped to do it. Little things like that, you know, they, they'll only right. sustain you for a small little bit, but they can tend to focus the mind as well. Yeah, yeah. Just just a note on Clare. We, we'll unless any Clare callers want to call back in. We heard from Pat on the football earlier on, and Mick there. Uh, Ballier have just tweeted the Ballier Hurling Club congratulations to Tony Kelly who is now Clare's top all-time championship scorer with his first point today breaking Niall Gilligan's record set in 2009 Tony has now scored nine goals and is the joint 12th highest scorer of all time in hurling history alongside Joe Dean what a sensational record for Tony Kelly to have already quite an incredible player I mean he's, he's the guy has everything clearly the the scoring stats um identify a, an absolutely outrageous hurler. But this is a guy that does have it all. He can mind himself. He, he he wins his own ball. He doesn't play on the fringes. He affects games. He's done it for club and he's done it for county. He affects games. You know, you make provision for Tony Kelly if you're playing against him. And you delegate people and you talk about him and he he takes up, you know, the opposition management will talk about him and talk about him and opposition players will talk about him. So, that's a guy that affects a game probably on the lines that Henry did, probably on the lines that Joe Canning did. And he's done it for his club, the same as Joe and Henry have done it as well. You're talking about one of the greats without a shadow of a doubt. And congratulations. Dahi, the caller, you call it GA late night. We've, we've tried out the earlier time at six o'clock tonight. We have plenty of callers the last two weeks at the later hour of eight o'clock. We just thought we'd try out the earlier time this week. So maybe, maybe that's the issue. Maybe that's why people are so quiet. I'll just finish off the results I was running through because there were 16, was there 19 championship games in Ireland this, in the Ireland football this weekend? We had the Munster quarterfinals. We spoke about Claire Limerick already. That finished up 119 to 216 after extra time. Limerick winning 4-1 on penalties and a historic game in Cusick Park. It was an unbelievable occasion that only 2,980 people witnessed, which I think is such a shame. Waterford 1-8, Tipperary 213 down in Field. So Tipperary are taking on Limerick in the Munster semi-final, and that is going to be a cracking game. And then the Connacht quarter-final, Roscommon, I think, at 12 points of spare in Sligo, 23 points to 11. In the Joe McDonough Cup, Dahi, Offaly 126, down 218. I'm going to ask you about Offaly in a minute. 
Kerry hammered Mead, 6.15 to 13 points. I'm going to bring in Adrian, Adrian Barry here because my Barney on Twitter. But Adrian, I don't want to start it about that. I want to start with the fact that me and you called all the results right on our GA quick picks this week. <laughs> oh, Tommy. Nearly Adrian. all. Nearly all. How are you doing, Adrian? Hi, great to hear you back on OTV. Hi, Adrian. Yeah. Nice evening. Um, uh, all those results correct nearly yeah Jesus if Claire had have, uh, if if uh, the ref hadn't added on that extra minute yes Tommy would be nearly there and you of course I mean this is your your lead in to well done and calling the uh, Derry result I presume is that what you're looking for me to tee up on thank you I think I was being stitched <laughs> up I was uh, misquoted once or twice I said it would be qu- close and a couple of Tyrone lads were having a cut on Twitter on Friday night but they're very quiet this evening Tyrone fans I'd love yeah. to hear from them um, and hear what's going on in Tyrone at the minute so yeah, we uh, I, I definitely call Derry. But uh, the, Adrian, what are we chatting about? The, well, a few things, right? But the Westmead football anytime you want at the minute, and it won't. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that notwithstanding, the the Cody uh, Shefflin handshake, we're going to be talking about that all summer. I only caught the fully extended version of it uh, on the highlights reel at the end of the TV show. There, I'd only seen the, the thing before that, and I thought it was a bit of a storm in a teacup. But the fully extended version of it, where Cody pulls him back into him. Yes. Uh, is a, is a sight to behold, and I think, as I said, there's a bit of a study in it. Uh, I mean, the, he was clearly he was clearly pissed off given everything that had gone on, but um, a study in that the Morgan stuff we were having a bit of a barney about. I kind of felt it showed a lot of panic on the I don't know was it on the Tyrone sideline or the Tyrone pitcher maybe both. I felt that the more composed thing to do was like they were about six points behind at that stage, and he was running up the pitch, leaving the goal wide open, like. The benefit, the benefit, right? You know, there's a bit of a benefit there, possibly, but the the uh, the downside of it that he gets caught 20, 30 meters out, gets lobbed, and at that point it's game over with a half an hour left. I thought it was very panicky. Di, I'd like to get your take on this. What do you make of the fly keeper innovation in Gaelic games? We've seen the good sides and the bad sides of it. What do you make of what Adrian's saying there? Toronto are a man down. They're using Morgan as the extra man on the kickouts and the press all game long. They're taking a bit more license in the second half when they're chasing that game. What do you think of it? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's been proven to date that it can work. You can be an auxiliary attacker at times. The problem is, clearly, and we've seen it already earlier on this year with Kerry and Monaghan and again today. But I mean, I think that's uh, uh, symptomatic of a malaise that's in Tyrone at the moment. And it's quite clear and it's an open wound that's there. Now, when you look at the amount of guys that's left it, and when you hear so much emanating from Tyrone um, about disharmony, etc., like there's not a year goes by that you don't hear something, you know, people love to to talk about what's the word from the camp, any news from the camp. Um, But when you hear as much coming out of Tyrone as there has been, it adds up that all isn't right there. And what happens then is, and if you look at them today, I mean, they were just, to me, very, very disorganised and towards the end of the game looked disinterested. Some of the players really did. You know, the levels of tackling weren't there. And when you see him sallying up the field like that and getting caught, it's like there's no structure there. It's like we'll operate on my terms kind of thing. And it just smacked to me of a disorganised unit. And I'm sorry to say that because despite what most people think, I like Tyrone. I like what they've brought since 2002 I love what they've brought actually and I have huge admiration for Tyrone but I'm really disappointed at what I'm looking at now because I think Logan um, is a very very smart man 
um, and obviously Brian is 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 so well respected up in up in Tyrone that to me they would have come across as a really serious management team. So I would wonder as well is all well there in relation to the joint manager thing because I have long held it doesn't work. The wonder all Ireland last year, but I've long held joint managers doesn't work for me. Adrian, do you mind hanging on there one second? Because I want to come back to the Morgan chat in a minute and come back to the joint managers. I'm just going to bring in Simon Egan, who's joining us from Offaly. Simon, I'm going to, uh, you're added in there. You just have to unmute your mic if you want to chat to Dahi and, and Adrian here on GA Late Night. You've got a Chelsea profile pick, but I can see you're from Offaly. You're welcome. Hi, uh, um, I just want to make a point about Tyrone. You might be able to throw it to Paddy and Andy for me if you can. Um, okay. I just want to know, like, how many of Tyrone's forwards are actually elite? if you were to actually break it down, right? Because Colin McShane has been absolutely terrible since he's come back. Like, there's no point saying otherwise. Um, he's done absolutely nothing. Like, he was top scorer in the championship at the injury. He scored five points from play against Kerry in that semi-final. He's done nothing. Like, he's, he palmed in two goals last year in the championship. Fair enough. He good impact off the bench. He's done nothing in the league. He wasn't great against Fermanagh. Taken off against half-time today. Fair enough. McCurry is, I'm not too sure, Derek Hanlon as good as everyone's saying he is. When you look at Tyrone, I think their best players are like middle third players like Myler, Peter Hart, McGeary. I don't think their forwards are, are really up to scratch. So if you could put that to maybe someone, uh, Dahi or, or even Paddy Randy during the week, see what they think. Well, I would put it to Dahi right now, Simon. Um, I think on McShane, that's a fella who's come back from a, a, a shocking run of injuries. He definitely doesn't look right at the minute. I think that's, uh, that's fair that he doesn't look right. Canavan definitely has a lot to prove, but I think, Di, like, what do you make it out? Like, scoring forwards must be the most difficult thing to come across in Gaelic football and hurling. Yeah. Are Tyrone lacking that at the minute? Or is it the I, squad Stephen, depth? Good evening. I, I think it's a really good point you make. And I think it was their Achilles heel a few years ago when they were knocking at the door and getting to repeated semi-finals and also in the All-Ireland against Dublin. I think it was their Achilles heel. They had a very sound structure about the way that they played. But the reason they weren't winning All-Ireland finals was because they didn't have marquee forwards. Um, like like when they were winning their All-Ireland previously, where you could pick out Muggsy and you could pick out Canavan. Jared Cavlin was a forward who kicked a lot of points. They had Brian, Mc, Brian McGuigan there. Dewar was putting a share of scores along with all the work that he was doing. So Tyrone are just a kind of a, a structured team. Now, Dublin getting knocked out last year. Dublin were on the wane last year, but I just think everything fell beautifully for them. With Kerry gone, um, Dublin obviously gone, and I honestly think that Mayo last year thought, like, right, Kerry are gone, Dublin are gone. We've nailed it this year. And I don't think Mayo were at it last year in the All-Ireland final. I just think Tyrone probably, and I hate to say a handy All-Ireland, but if you're ever going to get an All-Ireland whereby the key teams that you would expect to be there were gone by the time you got there. And Mayo arguably, arguably thought that they'd wonder All-Ireland against Dublin and that mitigated against them somewhat. That's why Tyrone got over the line for me last year. So I think it's a really good point that's been made. Who could they turn to today to turn the game? I do think McShane's a fine player. And I think he showed that pre-injury and before he went to Australia. He was an almighty handful. He has not touched those heights again. Canavan, there's an awful lot of talk about Canavan. He's a talented lad, but you're right. He has an awful lot to prove. Thanks for that, Simon. Um, uh, good points. Anything to add on Offaly at the minute, or are you, you happy with your fill on Tyrone? 
Simon's just dropped off there to speak. But I was a, a, look at it, I think that's a, a very interesting point that Simon has raised there. I'm just going to bring in Maliki. Uh, Maliki, you've come in. I think I can see you're calling in from Dunqueen. Dunqueen, is that in County Kerry? Do you want to unmute your mic and have a chat? Maliki, you can unmute your mic there. Do you think Tyrone or Kerry will be kicking themselves, never mind Mayo, when they're looking at that Tyrone performance last year? How did no. they manage to let that All-Ireland slip last no. year? No, Kerry are well and truly over that. New management in. He's a ruthless, ruthless manager. Um, no, Kerry won't be looking at that. That's done and dusted. That's eaten bread. That's gone. They will be looking to fix any issues within their own camp. They will be targeting an All-Ireland final issue. There's no doubt about that. And I still think Mayo are probably one of two teams that potentially could bring them down. <laughs> I thought Tyrone might have had the ability um, but there's so, so many question marks over Tyrone at the moment. I still think Mayo, and, and I, I, I deliberately don't include Dublin in that because I don't think Dublin would stop Mayo or, or or Kerry. And that's including the fact that Mayo were beaten last week. But no, I don't think Kerry, that's, that's well and truly gone. It'll drive them on, if anything. Adrian Barry, are you surprised with how Tyrone's season has fallen apart this year? Totally, yeah, absolutely. It was only... Uh, look at the players leaving over the last few months definitely and you were one of the chief people obviously identifying and talking about it but uh, absolutely I was at the All-Ireland last year and like Dahi mentions my oh there Jesus they must be if they ever thought the curse was real looking at the the demise of Tyrone now they must be thinking what have we got to do uh, uh, to eventually get over the line but no look totally and I, there was depth there there were a young squad there were they were hungry. There was like the likes of McShane, and I know that uh, Simon was it earlier from Offaly saying that he wasn't going well, but like he comes off the bench and, and wins that game for Tyrone last year. Like it's uh, startling. Yeah. Shane, uh, I believe Shane Murphy is on the line here. Shane, would you like to jump in? How are you doing? Welcome to GA Late Night. Well, how are we doing? Very well. Where are you calling in from, Shane? We're calling in from Watford. Yeah, just with that, he been on having the talk of the Holland Championship. Jump in, fire away. After today's game, does that he think I personally myself I thought maybe Kilkenny this year could be the team could catch Limerick. But after today's game, does that he think Limerick might be just too strong? I uh, thanks for the question and thanks for ringing in. I never thought Kilkenny were going to be to be honest with you. Um for me it's Limerick absolutely no one else only them. I think Galway have good players. Um I think Galway are a good team. But I think Limerick and Waterford are well ahead of the pack. Uh, that, like, that's not to say Waterford and Limerick couldn't be taken down in, uh, on a day, but that have to perform very, very poorly. And the likes of the Clares, the likes of the Galways, the likes of the Kilkenny's would need to, to just bring, bring everything for a one-out performance to bring them down. Limerick are the best team in Ireland. And arguably, they're up there with the Kilkenny team from 6 to 11. Um, but but again, like I said last week, Waterford are not far off the pack. Are not far off Limerick. They they really are not. They tried out a lot of things last week. You know, he brought Prunty out. I think he took a free shot, Liam Cattle, last week, and wasn't afraid to have a go at Limerick, believing in his squad that they were still going to be at the cutting edge. And I think they had a real cut. And I thought some of the positional switches were very interesting. I don't know necessarily if he do it later in the year. But what he did do is he had his radar and antenna up last week. He'll have scrutinised Limerick, you know, completely. And I'm certain we'll have a plan because I think they will meet later. But Limerick are just, at the moment, the best team. But I thought it was enjoyable today, Shane. Um, 
but I don't think that the strength the whole way through the, the Kilkenny team, like they came in and out of the game, the inside forwards looked pretty good early on, they were willing to go for goals and you could clearly see that they they were looking to attack the, the, the Galway cornerbacks. Uh, but I just don't know if Wally started well. I don't know is there enough sustained performance from the half forward line. I thought Galway dominated uh, middle of the field. I thought the Kilkenny got very little from the scraps there. But still, they hung in, arguably unlucky not to get it. But for me, there, there's two teams in the country who will contest the All-Ireland final later this year. I never thought it was going to be Kilkenny. Shane, I'm surprised at you. You're a Waterford man. Are you trying to play down their chances? No, no. I just think... I just think Kilkenny are the one team that might have died. Someone might catch him on a day. And I think Kilkenny, there's been a lot of talk about Watford strength and depth. But I looked at Limerick the other day and you look at the, their first 19. Their, their biggest asset is out of that first 19, they probably have 12 players who can play in a number of positions. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is that ben- is great to that benefit. So if someone falls out, they they don't have a right cornerback or a like Barry Nash could fit into six in the morning if Hannon got injured and probably they were as good as Hannon if not better. And like take Galan O'Donnell and probably Quaid are the only players who probably just have to stay in their positions. The rest of them they have a lot of hurling around. They could a lot of them could play in other positions and really be positive and I just think maybe Kilkenny I thought might catch him on a bad day but I, I can't see anyone else doing it unfortunately Galway are a good side Galway, uh, Galway are strong Galway are strong in, in good positions I'm really delighted for Conor Cooney he a confidence and five or six years ago I thought he was one of the best forwards in the country so Henry deserves a lot of credit he recognises the guy has a lot of talent He's obviously worked with him. He played the full 70 minutes today, which is really essential for him. He just seemed to be taken off game after game. So you take Dotty Burke, you take Garoge McInerney. Um, I thought the midfield was very, very strong today. If he can hold centre forward and play well there, um, and Conor Whelan comes back into it, Galway are not a bad side. Galway ran Limerick really close last year, let's not forget. Galway gave him socks of it for a long time in that. I just thought that Limerick had moved on further than Galway. And when Galway won their All-Ireland, I never thought they kicked on and moved to a next level. I think Limerick moved levels since they won their first All-Ireland against Galway back in, uh, back in 18. I just think they've moved up levels. But Galway are still a good side. Yeah, nobody's talking about them as contenders properly, though. Like, Are we all just giving it that Henry Shefflin needs a year or two to get his get his style in place. I thought there was a lot of hallmarks of a Kilkenny performance at a summer Galway's tackling and turnover. And Jesus, they were ferocious, ferocious in that first half day. They were, but then they went through, again, a really barren period early in the second half. They were sitting on 118 for a long, long time. And to me, that was a bit of a worry. And when Kilkenny reached the inevitable level scores on 57 minutes, I just thought the next seven or eight minutes are going to tell me an awful lot about where the Galway team are. And they reacted by hitting three and four points on the trot pretty quickly. And I thought, hmm, that's that's a really good response. You know, leaders stood up. Porig Mannion, left half back, just completely blotted. Wally went out of the game completely. And then they moved him in on Dottie Burke. And Wally's game is, he's his game as hell. Um, but when you're kind of going from Mannion then into Dottie Burke, so there's, there's a lot of solid 
openness about Galway. And you make a good point there, Tommy, that the work rate and like he will bring his own touch to it, but a lot of the culture that he would have been involved in with Kilkenny into the into the Galway players. So you mix that, you know, ethic, team ethic, the culture of team and the culture of supporting one another and respect and integrity within the group, along with obviously talented players, then like I say, Galway are a good side. Uh, Shane, thanks for calling in. Dahi, no. thanks for that. We've got okay. Shane, uh, appreciate it. That was great stuff. We've got another caller in, Donal. Donal Hurley, do you want to jump in there for a chat? Story, Tommy. How's it going? Hiya, Donal. Where are you, where are you calling in? Um, I'm just driving back to Limerick here from Tullamore, back to Kildare again. Good stuff. Kildare man. Kildare man. So hopefully we will, um, if we get the dubs now in the semis, we'll give them a good run. But could be a year too early, I'd say. But um, I actually, is that what you're looking for? Or what? Go on, jump in. What do you? What do you? Like I actually just about? had a general enough question for Dahi and yourself, Tommy. Just around, I suppose, just looking at some of the hurling results over the weekend across the tiers. Looking at Christy Ring, Joe McDonough, Lee McCarthy. Um, there's quite a few hammerings being um, handed out still, and it it seems to be the teams that are yo-yoing between Joe McDonough, Christy Ring, etc. So I'm just wondering. Is the tiered approach something that we should be looking at? Like, as in, we're looking at introducing the tiered approach into football to reduce hammerings, but it seems to make the gap wider, if anything. So, should we be looking at making it a bit more equitable and looking at looking at things like the league and going back to the one A one B format, where more teams are exposed to a higher level throughout the year? Um, be good to get your thoughts on that. Thanks, Donald. Dahi, I'll let you in there first. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, the only thing I probably disagree with you before we move on is where you say it might be a year too soon for Kildare. I don't believe that whatsoever. Dublin aren't what they were. Kildare having a good year with a good management team and they've already taken Dublin down in Newbridge this year. I know it's league, but still, like, that's not a good... That's not... I don't think Glenn Ryan will have that mentality or believe it. It's not a criticism, but sometimes when you hear that, you go, no, let's hope we get the dubs because you know what? We can take them. They're there for the taking. Clear a good side. I think her question is a really good question. And it comes up at this time every single year when hidings are administered. But it's been looked at from top to bottom, inside out. There's been so many restructures. The reality is here, there is nothing imminent that you can do to change it. For the simple reason, you've got counties that have particular levels that they can play at and a calibre of player that they can play at. And no matter what you do, if you look at the breakdown of All-Ireland winners back the decades, you look at, particularly in Hurling, it's the core of Kilkenny, Cork and Tip, and then interspersed with a period with Clare doing really well, a period with Offaly doing well from 80 to 80 up to 98. And if you take Offaly as an example, for 130-odd years of the association, we're probably back in our rightful place, and I don't mean that in a discriminatory manner. What we did for the 20-odd years was actually out of kilter and a really unique thing because for the previous 80 years, we hadn't competed whatsoever. We were at the level we were at because that's kind of where Hurlem was at in Offaly. It's the same in Down. Down are going to take hidings off top teams, but you've only got three really active clubs up there. It's the same in Antrim, and there's been a lot of talk about how we promote Hurling and Antrim, and a lot of it is kind of 
pious platitude in many respects when, when teams give them beatings. And it depends on a particular county board as to how they want to grow a particular game. I remember many, many, many years ago up in Donegal and I'd done a bit of coaching. And I got talking to a vice chairman of Donegal County Council. It's about 15 years ago. And I asked, and Donegal have been making progression, you know, what she can put in place to try and grow the game of hurling. And I was told in no uncertain terms, if you want to do something, if you want to come in and coach, by all manner of means, this is a football county and nothing is ever going to change that. So as long as that's the case, you're going to have counties competing at the levels that they're at. Now, what Michael Dignan and Offaly are doing is Programme 2028, which is putting in all the underage structures now so that in 10 years' time, when this project began, hopefully we could start to see, you know, very competitive underage teams. If you don't change what you've been doing in your county for years, you're going to get the same results. So tiering the divisions, secondary divisions, they'll always be in place for the simple reason that county boards don't want to change anything in their counties if it goes against what the popular sport is. It's an age-old argument. It's got to be looked at in-house, first of all. The competitions are secretary, are secondary. What the competitions that, that they're in are secondary. The first priority has got to be county boards. Are they willing to embrace a change and invest and look and set programs as to what are our goals, what's our objectives, and how are we going to metric the results we're looking for? Let's say if it's a weaker hurling team. And I would question if that's been done. And as long as that's the case, we're always going to have the problem. And when the hidings are administered, we're going to talk about it in nights like this. Yeah, I think I think this is an interesting conversation. Di, very interesting to hear your perspective on it there. And it's it's funny, the accounts for various counties come out at the end of every year and you can see the amount that's spent on whatever the favourite sport is in that county compared to the Hurland, say, or if it's a strong Hurland county, how much is spent on the football. And the difference is stark in a lot of counties. There are very few counties where that split is straight down the middle. So I think they're probably two different conversations. We probably need to be encouraging sports in different counties, you know, getting hurled and played in places where it's not very strong. I never got a chance to pick up a hurl. There's no hurling in North Mead. Um, and and, a, and football is a, is a big thing as well. So I'd love to have grown up um, playing hurling and football. But that opportunity wasn't there. And there's plenty of people around the country who don't really get that chance. So I think, though, the, the conversation that Donald started there, and Donald's still on the line, so feel free to hop back in if you want to have a chat here, Donald. I think tears have to work. And I can't get my head around why it isn't as simple as club championship structures or even the way the LJFA run it, it works. You see Meads progress going from intermediate champions to senior champions. You're giving teams a tangible opportunity to win something and to grow. You look at a junior championship medal at club level, it's just as important as a senior championship medal. That I just think the the outlook we have on it, the reward that's there at the end, the coverage that it gets, if all those things are lined up and you've got a competition where similar teams of a similar standard are going up against each other, it's going to be brilliant. I was at Clare Limerick last night. It wasn't the box office game of the weekend by any accounts, but it was the best game of the weekend. It was sensational. Two teams at a similar level going at it. Can't beat it. I think, yeah, no, I agree with you to some extent, Tommy, and I think the key thing is when it comes to the football, like, we're looking at the Celtic Cup this year, and I know you've been seeing it as well, it's just the coverage just isn't there, it's non-existent. Uh, mm. And I know it will be non-existent, because, like, you look at Joe McDonough, like, the level of coverage it's given on the Sunday game, it's dismal. So, if you're a footballer to say from down, a proud footballing county, and they're going at the Celtic Cup now, um, like, I just don't see how a lot 
players will get themselves up for it, given the level of, I suppose, prestige and attention it's having at the moment so far. Like, like a well-promoted second tier with good media coverage probably wouldn't work, but that's not what we have, you know. If, but I think, like, you're, you picked out Down there as an example, Donald. Down are in a bad way at the minute, so yeah. I'm not going to, you yeah. know, but, like, if you if you look at a county like, say, Offaly, or I'm not going to put them there yet, because obviously if Westmead end up getting by whoever they get by in the in the Leinster semi-final and get to the Leinster final, they won't be able to play in the Thatcher Cup. But I think if Westmead end up in the Thatcher Cup, they've got a savage chance of winning it. Um, I'm going to bring in Connor here for a second. Connor, you've just joined us there. Um, is there anything you want to chat about? Your mic is your mic is off there. If you want to jump in, well, Tommy, uh, I was going. I was in Ennis like yourself last night, and uh, as you said, two close teams going out. It was really. Uh, Exciting, but what I was hoping to hear from you was uh, about the penalty shootout. How, uh, how yeah. it obviously decides games. I know a good few on that Clare panel, and you know they're training since the end of November there. And uh, you know the I suppose it was this year, and it's gone now because of a penalty shootout. I'm just interested to see what you think of you know that's how it decides games. I mean, there was a weekend free again next weekend for a replay. No. Cork and Kerry don't play as well, but we, we could easily replay it off next weekend again. So what do you think of the penalty shootouts? I think uh I said earlier on, Connor, I I'm I had a I felt strange last night in the stadium watching the penalty shootout. I found it excruciating. Um I want to ask you a question in a second, but I'll answer your question first. I'm not sure if it's the best way of ending a Gaelic football match or a hurling match, but we, we don't have room for replays in the calendar. We just don't. We split the season this year and probably next year. And at the moment, there's just no wriggle room for it. Unless you played it midweek. And I just think that's impossible for, for you know, amateur footballers and hurlers that have jobs and families and all, everything else to balance. I just think it's too difficult to put a game on midweek at the minute. Um, maybe it's something we can look at down the line. Personally, I'd rather a shootout around the D or something like that to that effect. But I want to ask you a question. What did you make of Clare's lineup of penalty takers last night? The Limerick lads looked so confident. There's a photo of them. They all look ready to go. And I don't know whether the Clare lads, I know Keno Dees went over the bar, Connor Jordans went wide, Joe McGann nails his. I was surprised by maybe the lineup of takers from Clare. Yeah, it was it was very young. I suppose Keno Dee was the oldest and Keane's 26. So, I mean, you were expecting... Uh, also, I went to ask uh, on that, uh, you obviously had to be on the pitch at the end of extra time to take a, a pen. Mm. Is that correct? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. Yeah, well, you're, thinking, you're thinking of Tubbery, are you? Yeah, Tubbs would definitely have taken one, I would have said. Um, Cleary was Owen, was Owen Cleary in the five? No, Cleary wasn't, no, which was another okay. interesting one. So, I mean, they, they would have been probably the top two. Um, Keelan Sexton was, was a big loss for Clare. Like, you know, you, you aren't a fan of the of the, the penalties. I'd like to hear from some Limerick people. I presume if you win it, uh, you win the penalty shootout, you love it. So, I'm going to bring in Killian here as well, Connor. Thanks for that. Thanks. You can stay on the Thanks. line there if you want to. If you want to hang on, but thanks for jumping in, Thanks, Killian. Tommy. Do you want to have? Do you want to have your say? You're calling in from Limerick, Killian. Feel free to turn on your mic there if you want to have a chat. Killian's mic isn't working there, but I'm going to bring in Declan here as well. Declan here, you're welcome to GA late night. Declan, how are you doing? Hello. Yeah, I, I'm ringing from Limerick. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were delighted with it <laughs> with the penalty. Showdown. I'm not. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And, and yeah. I and I and just to say, like there, you know, like and having the fantastic the Limerick footballers in Limerick, considering you know the hurling is going so well, 
and that they and you know they're now in Division Two. Like so, there's great credit to Billy Lee and all those football lads. You know, like you know, and it, maybe it's, it should be a lot of our counties should look to that to play both codes and have two good hurling teams and football teams. You know, but I know because Limerick are showing it, and I think that's very important for Gaelic games. Yeah. I think that's a great point, Declan. I think there's there's word that there's a savage amount of good work going on behind the scenes in Limerick as well with their academy. Do you want to throw a question at Dahi? I think that's an interesting one that you're talking about there. Do you want to talk to well, Dahi here about Dahi, the, the Yeah, Dahi, you know, isn't it very interesting, you know, because obviously it's only in pockets, but like in fairness to Limerick, and, you know, we're very proud of the footballers, you know, and that we can play both grades. And like it's really, like John Hagerty and uh, some of those lads were great footballers as well. You know, but that we can put in the, you know, and it should be something that other counties should aspire to as well. I would, I would agree a hundred percent. It's a Gaelic athletic association. There's more than one sport in it. We have handball as well, and that's it's just as an aside, like gets very, very little coverage, and it's a very skillful game. Like it's not that long ago, Limerick were competing at the highest levels in Munster Championship, and very unlucky. To, I think Drew a Kerry and were, were a number of years ago. Um, I think if Darrow O'Shea, if I remember correctly, plucking a ball from over the crossbar with it nearly the last kick of the game. So, like, Lim- am I am I correct in saying football in Limerick is very much West Limerick? Correct. Yes, uh, West Limerick, and but this Valley Landers, which is at the opposite side of the county, you know what we'd be saying. Yeah, yeah. And to pray, and, and there's a lot of work going, and there's a lot of work going into the academies and that. Do, do, do the Limerick footballers avail as well to the same level? Um, to the funding that's available to the hurlers, is it is it specifically the funding that's available? Is it for Limerick GEA for the benefit of both both codes? Would the footballers be able to say there's nothing that we want for from amenities point of view, um, expenses point of view, access to physios, the whole thing? Is 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 that pretty much level with the hurling? You, no, I couldn't answer that question. No, for you, you really, you know, you know, and I'd be afraid to say it. But and obviously they don't get the support, you know, like the sure. like the the hurling team would know, you know. But um, you know, but they, they you know, but they, like it's I, like I couldn't answer that and wouldn't fail. But um, but the, the their trainer, their physical trainer O'Brien, like his son is playing great hurling. Shane O'Brien with uh, with the Limerick Miners or you know Limerick under twenties, but he's doing a great job um with the with in the physio side of things you know but but they're all hurling in some of them you know and footballers but i couldn't answer that question or whatever yeah it's uh, uh, the, the work underage is key that that's absolutely essential um and if you get a good run in munster get to a munster final the profile what it does profile is so important um when you're trying to kind of break through and and one of the games is particularly strong one of the codes is stronger if you can give a profile that youngsters go to games and they specifically want to emulate a particular player or have a particular player. Just, it works hand in hand. Success kind of breeds that that kind of demand for recognition with youngsters looking to have heroes. It really is important because that's where a lot of young young kids start off. If you're exposed to the hurling and Limerick are winning so much, it's a battle to keep the football you know, going and grow it and to grow it to the levels that Limerick football people want to do it. But listen, let's be fair. If there's a county that, if they put their shoulder to the wheel, Limerick Limerick are a county that just, it's a bloody sports mad county in the story that it, it within five, ten years, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be surprised to see Limerick 
you know, been competitive in football if the proper work has been done underage now. Declan, can I ask you a question? Who is the biggest loss to the Limerick footballers from that hurling panel at the minute? Because I know that Gerard Hegarty and Will O'Donoghue had a game in midfield together a couple of years ago and Hegarty was a huge talent underage when it came to football. Yeah, um, well, I know that, yeah, they, they were very good footballers, you know. But I mean, even myself now, I suppose, you know, I'd be very well up with the hurling and, and I'd be a little bit not as well up in the football, even though we'd be supporting them. And I didn't go to Cusick Park when I'd normally go to all the hurling matches, but I would, you know, I, I mean, you know, I'd love to see them doing well. But like that, they probably don't just get enough coverage for even us in Limerick to really understand, you know. But what why, why is a that? Fantastic job. You, Why is you that, know, I mean, you know, I mean, like we're all brought up, you know, looking at the hurling, you know, and um, and you know, and I'm from Brough now myself, you know, we have a, a reasonably good intermediate team, you know, but but you're more, you're always honing in more on the hurling, you know, in in a, you know, we we kind of consider ourselves a hurling county, you know, but having said that. You know, for any of us that are true gays, like we 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 support both teams equally. You know, but we don't know. When I say that, it's not as equal. That's all I can say. And maybe other people might understand that. You know, when you're in a hurling county, you're inclined to be more. You know everything about the hurlers, and I know little enough about the footballers. That's that's a fair point. I mean, that's that's the same pretty much in every county. I mean, we're a smaller county, and I went to see like. To my shame, I was at the 1982 All-Ireland Football Final. I was at the 1983 Leinster Football Semi-Final in me between Offaly and Kildare. And the next time I saw Offaly play was in the National Football League Final. I think it was 98. And outside of that, I've I've never seen Offaly play championship football. And that goes for 98% of people in the hurling area of Offaly. And we had this discussion last week, Tommy. They just don't go to follow Offaly footballers. And we're a very small county. However, I would have to say, to the credit of the football fraternity in Offaly, when we were going well in Hurling, we got bloody football supporting us out of football. But the opposite, Offaly footballers, I've never seen Offaly play football and just don't bother. Just it, it, We're a Hurling area down in the south of the county. And that's, I want, the, only, that's the only interest that's there. I want to bring Connor back in here because uh, Connor's a clear man. Connor, I can see you were in Ennis last night and Thurless again today. Like, what? What is that about? There was only two thousand nine hundred and eighty people in Ennis. The Clare footballers don't get the same support as the hurlers either. Yeah, it's interesting, Tommy, because uh, attendance-wise was yeah just under three in Ennis and you know twenty odds in uh, Thurless today. And Cock didn't bring that many, so I mean probably twelve, thirteen thousand. Of them were from Clare, maybe even more. I could be talking maybe fifteen thousand, but it's it's the difference is unbelievable. I mean, it's uh, I suppose the, the the split in the county is, is is a lot bigger. I mean, you're 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 coming back as far as probably even Lissy Casey to before your complete football, and then yeah. I mean the the other two thirds of the county then is 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 hurling. But I mean, I I I was down with my girlfriend today at the match, and I. I just couldn't help but notice where were all these people last night, you know. I mean, a lot of these are living in Ennis and East Clare and Cusie Park is 10 minutes. You have to make the, the an hour and a half. It's disappointing because the footballers put in just as much work as the hurlers, but it's... Yeah, uh, and it was it was a cracking. Like, talk about a, a night's entertainment. Um, like, you were you were in Cusie Park until about 9 o'clock last night. It was absolutely enthralling stuff. 
from the yeah, first minute to the end. For for, uh, for 15 quid, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, <laughs> you get two hours entertainment out of the, the Pens live. Um, but, like, it was just it was just extra disappointing, you know. We've lost games late on before and lost games in extra time. But it, it was just something about losing it on Pens that it was, it was just it, it was hard to take now because, obviously, that was the best route since, uh, I mean, 2012 of getting to a Munster final for Clare. I know in COVID year we we messed up as well against Tip, but uh, yeah, there's probably regrets about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean this this was a year. I mean going out to Turles to play a, a poor, well, I wouldn't say a poor Tip team, but definitely not the Tip team of the last seven or eight years. And I mean, you know, it would have been it would have been the best chance we've had. So it was, it was really it was a sicker last night to be honest. Connor, thanks for calling in. Well done for making both games this weekend. Fair play to you, Declan. Thanks for calling in from Limerick as well. It was great to hear from you. Um, we do have Killian on the line as well. Adrian Barry, before you go, um, it wasn't a bit of shade I was throwing at Westmead. I was saying they were Talchin Cup contenders if they end up beating or if they end up losing in their Leicester semi-final, whoever to get in the draw tonight. Would you be happy with that if Westmead give a good crack at it in the Talchin Cup? Well, I did notice you were talking about uh, North Mead not being great at uh, not being a great hurling area. Plenty of times not a great football area either, Tommy. But, um, oh, that's I harsh. Would... <laughs> But true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, that's that's that the top end of the Talton Cup is. I, I made the point at RTBN during the week that, like, the, when you see the teams as such, and you look at that, was it down and Offaly coming down? And you know, uh, obviously the two promoter teams from Division Three, not the Talton Cup. So Westmeath and Down and Offaly be seeded wise, depending on who else falls into it, roughly there thereabouts. So they should be contending for that. But and like, look at I was at the I was at. Cusick Park, the Mullingar one yesterday. Oh, um, so you paid you paid twenty five euro into your Cusick Park. We only had to pay twenty fifteen euro in yeah, Ennis. Do exactly. you think it was worth your money? I was thinking that. I was thinking that, and I paid another ten quid for the two kids I brought with me. Um, oh. Yeah, well, look, at, I was making it. I made a last minute decision and drove drove down for it. I was making an hour trip to get down there anyway. So look, I think at that point or another, uh, did I get value for money? Like, um, yeah, I mean, Westmead won by eight points, so I take that all day long. And they're not a team that are in the habit of hammering teams. So, and and yeah. also, there were there was either seven or eight in it at half time. And to be honest, in the ground, it felt like it was sort of a bit of a game over. Like Longford came out of the traps, like you know, very quickly at the start. Um, had Westmead in their heels a bit. There were two, three points to no score up, and you kind of thought, geez, because the conditions were so poor as they were everywhere around the country yesterday. You thought, Jesus, if if uh, you know this could get out of hand here, but ah, uh, Westmead went down to score. I don't know, score one ten eleven with without reply and look good. And and to be fair, the scoreline probably flattered Westmead because Longford had two, three, couple of lads behind me felt four decent goal chances. Um, any one of which goes in tightens it up a little bit. Also, Westmead after the restart were a bit like they were left in the stand. To be honest, they felt. As if they kind of, it looked as if they felt the, the game won, and were sort of sauntering on through the second half. Kind of both teams decent at protecting that kind of, you know, around the forty-five where teams tend to set up now with that D and pushing yeah. pushing the attack out to the wings. Both teams decently well set up for that. Thought Longford didn't really, de- definitely didn't see the best of Mickey Quinn yesterday. No question about it. Okay. Definitely didn't feel as if they brought him in like they could. And I would say as well, just on the Westmead side. Uh, player that doesn't get half enough conversation about him and it's back to your point about the coverage but an absolute wand of a left boot in a way yes. that I don't know why he's not taken well, all Westmead's freeze from the right hand side they missed a couple from tightish enough angles with a right footed kicker from the right hand side it makes no sense at all when you have somebody like him in the pitch um, but yeah no uh, look at a great game who will they get in the semi-final 
that that's the big thing. Yeah, yeah that's the big thing. Yeah. Wanted like, and I, they, no, they'll all all the other three will want Westmeath. That's the thing. So um, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a funny one. Yeah, they will. Like, they will. Keep I, an think, eye. Yeah. I think who's left. I think they will. But I on the basis of yesterday, you wouldn't be getting carried away. I made a great point about Longford's mediocrity. Obviously, that had me uh, watching over my back in the game yesterday um, on the show on Friday, and uh, they they that's how they turned up at the weekend. So um, any of the other three. We'll fancy Westmead, but I'll be going, Tommy, wherever it is, and we'll uh, we'll see an outside shot, I think, on the basis of yesterday, yeah. Adrian, just a quick one. I went over to Tyrrell's Pass last night for a, for a bite to eat and went into a, went into a local pub for a couple of points beforehand, and uh, there was five or six guys there, and I had been following it on the news and listening to the to the updates on the car on the way over and that, and they were in the bar, and the publican said it would cost them €1,400 Euros a month to get Sky Sports in. And there was photographs of Tyrrell past teams that had won championships all over the place. And I said, these were good GA people. You just knew with the conversation with them. And they had no way of following it except, you know, on, on, on you know, the Westmead County Board account on yeah. Twitter or whatever it was. And it was, I know it's, an, it's probably for a different conversation, but real good GA people, no access, you know, to the game. And then someone told me, of the handful of pubs in Tyrrell's past, not one of not one of the pubs has has Sky Sports. There you are. I saw, funny enough, I saw the Westmead official Twitter account tweeting updates of the game yesterday underneath it saying, do not click on the stream. So I don't know if somebody set up some dodgy streams or whatever that they were sending out. I'm not sure. But like, you know, and, and when you talk about, as I said, I was happy enough to pay the 25 quid yeah. and made the journey down. But like Tommy makes the point there about the 25 quid. That is deep. The facilities are not good as well, by the way, which, you know, in terms of, you know, you've, I know there are obviously the concession prices for juveniles and OIPs and stuff, and that's, that's grand. The, but the, the, the difference, the, what I find funny is the difference between, like, whatever you pay, you pay, but what I find the, the difference between the two queues of parks, like, two games on at the same time, and, you, like, both games, I thought Westmead Longford would be a bit closer, to be honest, but, like, Claire Limerick was guaranteed to be a, a cracking game. He's calling in from, from Derry today. Adrian Barry, thanks very much for calling in. Thanks, Great man. to have you along for the last hour. Appreciate it. Michael, uh, writer with Gaelic Life, you, I read your piece in the build-up to the game. You tipped Derry. You fancied it. Did you expect that performance today? You've just hammered the All-Ireland champion. Um, as I said in my prediction, I was just, I was convinced that there was a performance in Derry based on last year. And, um, after losing to Galway the way Derry did, you sort of wonder. And I have to admit, when you hear all the other pundits talking about, you know, Tyrone's going to win, you sometimes <laughs> you sometimes doubt yourself. But you went with your gut. I knew Derry would come with a performance similar to that, but not the margin. Like when I talked yeah. about a battle, I'm talking about 8-7, 7-6. And if you had told me that was going to be the scoreline, to be honest... I probably would have said Tyrone would have won by a score down like that. But they got so, so much right. And as I say, it's the first championship win in Ulster since 2015, the day that Brenton Rogers made his championship debut. So a huge result for Derry as a county uh, in every way. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. It's un- like Rory Gallagher, we had him on the other game. He wanted to win an Ulster championship with this Derry side. Do you reckon that he got everything right today? I think he got everything spot on. Um, I did not see him doing the Paul Cassidy on Conor Myler, um, you know, decision. Paul Cassidy is one of those players that most Derry players, or sorry, most Derry fans can't work out how he's on the team. 
Um, and he's actually the second most used dairy player this year. You know, a, a lot of dairy fans don't rate him. Rory sees something right. in him and he put him in Connor Miller. And the fact that he won the penalty and yeah. you know, Gareth McKinless, Ethan Doherty um, were just driving forward Connor, every opportunity. And Connor Doherty. Um, yeah. And they, they got it right. Um, and as I say, an absolutely amazing result for Derry as a county because you can talk about underage until you're blue in the face. But and all during the league, when people were talking to me about promotion, I said promotion would be great, but give me a championship one. And, you know, to win by that margin, I think I listened to Rory in the telly and he admitted he didn't see the margin coming, but the manner in which he did it. And to be honest with you, the reason why I tipped Derry to win was solely on Rory Gallagher um, because he's one of those managers that can just get you to the perfect pitch for any given day. Nearly did it last year and did mm. it this year. But the only thing is for Derry, if you're thinking about one in Ulster, you have to beat Tyrone, you have to go and beat Monaghan and potentially Donegal. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, welcome to Ulster. Or Cavan. Welcome to Ulster. Or, or Cavan. But welcome to Ulster. Yeah. Do you know? But, uh, no, the Ulster. You're the only reason why we don't have a proposal to beat this year. I'm only joking. <laughs> Michael, hold on the line for two seconds. I want to bring in Sean Larmer, who's calling in from Tyrone. So I'm just going to mute your mic for a second, Michael. And Sean, you can unmute your mic and have your say. I'd love to hear what you make of the way things have gone for Tyrone this year. All-Ireland champions and things just haven't gone right. Sean, you're very welcome to GA Late Night. Thanks, guys, and it's very interesting to, to hear to hear Michael's points there on Derry. Look, the reality is, Tyrone, Tyrone haven't been. Um, they did just about enough to stay in Division One, and and there's key players who who starred for Tyrone when they went on to win the All Ireland last year that just aren't performing. They're just not at the pitch of the game. The motivation's not there, and and there does seem to be problems in the camp with the the number of lads who've been. Allowed to leave, um, despite you know having their own personal reasons and everything else. I don't think Mickey Hart would have allowed, or or would have done everything that he could in his power to keep some of those lads, especially guys like Tiernan McCann, who who who's one of those guys that uh, was was you know. And, and yes, we used him last year sparingly, but he was he, he's in that engine room, and and actually he can he can t- turn a game. Um, what's the feeling, Sean? What's the feeling in the county at the minute? Well, look, we're we're obviously riding, you know, riding the crest of a wave in relation to winning Sam last season, and it's always difficult to go on the year after. And I've talked to a few of my friends this this, this week about '06 and about, you know, there's no greater rivalry than the Trung Derry rivalry, and of, of course, it's it hasn't been there over the last number of, of years. But when Derry are doing well, and 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 they're obviously building, and look, Rory Gallagher has been around a few a few counties now, and you know. I've never liked Rory Gallagher. He's, he's just one of those guys who just wants to beat you and 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 often can achieve that with teams. But look, it's lackluster. There's a lot of work to be done from from Fergal and and Brian, and I, I'm just not sure the guys have the bite there. They were very lucky, obviously with with Kerry last year, the six goals in Killarney. You know, they used that as a motivational tool to to to, to get over the line against Kerry in the, in the All Ireland semi final. Certainly this year, Derry. Hammer and throwing today in the way in which they did. Yeah, you know, that that'll be a motivating factor, and I'm sure we'll see those dairy boys down the road somewhere. Yeah, and, yeah. And it may well be their own doing, but but certainly take, take a lot of Michael's points there. There, you know, uh, 
it's I, I know there's a, a, a good friend of mine who's a, a referee in Derry and he knows a lot of these Derry boys and he was playing them down and playing their chances down this week and he's a craft deal bugger so I, I knew there was something brewing there but look we we as a county and, and as a team just have not been performing this season and you know Derek Derry obviously seen that and, and they looked at the Fermanagh game and Certainly, us boys we're 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 very we're very lackluster and very tired and just you know it's hard to keep that momentum going. We reach the goal one to to pursue, but because jump in like, like I said to you, Tyrone is a county that I've been very fond of since the first met the breakthrough. I just loved what they brought when they came, um, and particularly in relation to the so-called marquee counties and reputations, they cared not one iota and went about it their own way. However, the interesting thing to note about Derry is, or Tyrone is this, Tyrone have four All-Ireland titles. Now, in the scheme of things, that's not a lot, but they've been pretty recent. And if you take the likes of a Kerry or a Dublin who will win an All-Ireland title, there's every chance that they can put two and even three. They're used to winning. It's, it's, it's great. They love it, but they're used to it. If you take great Tyrone sides who won the three All-Irelands, they won all three, the 105, the 108, they didn't put back-to-back. And I think, arguably, there's an element of probably extraordinary levels of celebration throughout the county, and it's hard to come down from it. I remember they got well beaten by Leash, I think, in one of the qualifiers a number of years ago. And then six, you say, possibly, yeah. Yeah, then you look at it and you say, yeah, but look at the quality of that side, you know. And then they come back and they win in 05. And then they go missing again, and the quality is still there. They bring in a couple of more players, and then they obviously collectively decide we're too good, you know, not to win another one. So the strength is within the group. So over a six or five year period, the winner three All Irelands. It's very, very difficult to win back to back All Irelands and to perform to the same level when you've won an All Ireland the year before. And I think it happens to counties that. When, when one kind of out of nowhere, like Tyrone's was pretty much out of nowhere last year. And there's been a lot of talk about massive celebrations throughout the county. And that's correct. And you need to have that as well. You've got to understand what all the effort is for. But you have other counties then that are back and they're aligned and they have their objectives set out for the year, etc. And I just don't think Tyrone ever got to the pace of it. And the league was there and you could say, well, I, that was the league. We've won the All-Ireland. We recalibrate and we're ready for championship. And they patently haven't reached the pitch or anywhere near what it should be for for a championship. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see can Tyrone pick themselves up. I want to bring. I want to bring Sean. You might hold on, and Michael just hold on for two more minutes. I want to bring Dahi back in on one thing here. Dahi, what was the winter in '95 like in Offaly? How did you perform the year after you won that breakthrough All Ireland in '94? Well, well, we, we we were a little bit different in that we we also won the uh, the county final and we won a provincial championship, um, and then we went on and we won the club All Ireland. So we had a lot going on, and it was just an extraordinary time to be there, and you just. You love it. So, yes, there was Did you lack hunger? Did you lack hunger the following well, year? Well, the interesting thing is we actually got to the All-Ireland final the following year and Clare obviously, Clare obviously caught us. We, were, we would have been great champions if we had put back-to-back and we just came up short in the All-Ireland final. But I, I, I do think then it did hit for a couple of years afterwards um, where, where we're nearly bringing back-to-back All-Ireland titles which we didn't, and at the, ultimately we won one. So, like yeah. we did celebrate. Yeah. There's no doubt, and we celebrated heavily. It didn't mitigate against us, 
it didn't mitigate against us, but we were an experienced bunch of players. And we had won a lot of provincial titles and a national league and that. These yeah. Tyrone boys, these particular bunch of Tyrone boys, have won well, an All-Ireland title. Can I bring Sean back in there, Dahi? Because, Sean, Darren McCurry did a brilliant interview a couple of weeks ago. And he spoke about... Well, you can tell from his comments that he wasn't overly happy with the amount of players that left the panel. He openly questioned, like he said, we could make history here. We could be the first Tyrone team to go back to back. Why are you leaving? And I know every single one of those players had different reasons for leaving. But do you get the sense that the camp isn't isn't in a great way at the minute? Uh, look, it's it's if you lose one or two boys every season, you know, uh, as a natural progression with the age and 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 you know growth in their own personal lives, whatever, families, building houses, getting married, whatever it may be, people generally just you know they move on year on year year on, but. You know, I, I've never seen a Trump team be as vocal in the media in criticising each other just for those type, types of things uh, and moving on and things like that. So certainly, I, th- I think the problem is actually with Ron O'Neill, for example, you know, his brother was getting married. There was a wedding. He attended it. You know, he, he was told that it wouldn't put his position in the All-Ireland final. It was going to be his 100th game or whatever. And, I, I, you know, there's a lad that was leaving this year anyway or last year anyway, but but he was offered that opportunity. And I suppose that probably set this, you know, in motion. And, and there's certainly an underlying feeling that, that the lads who have left have let the group down, which is clearly unfair. Yeah. It's very, you know, very unfair in, in I, that sense. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that in ways as well. Like Ron O'Neill's the fella that's given a decade into county football. I think he's getting married later this year as well. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah, and he is. And, and look, probably very misused. We, we, we had a five, six-year period there in Tyrone where we adopted this defensive system and our forwards really were lost and the, the roles very much changed and they didn't get an opportunity to express themselves in the way in which we, as Tyrone football tends, you know, we, we kind of like to play that fast, free-flowing football that's that's about attacking. And it's, you know, we, we get the defence right, but we're an attack-minded side usually. And Mickey Hart and Gavin Delvin changed that and they, they, they adopted a Donegal style, uh, you know, and, and you can maybe liken it to going back to the early noughties where Armagh brought in this massive defensive side to the game, but Mickey Hart also took that on and, and adapted it, but, you know, Trung like to play fast-flowing, free-flowing, attacking football, but the styles have been adapted and changed that much. It's 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 we've, We're trying to re- you know, rebrand and redevelop and, and come back with, with our forwards. The defensive strategies, uh, you know, just, you know, the, the quickest route to goal is, is attack and, and that's the way we want to play our football. So our forwards have really been, you know, they've been put out of put out of their out of their beds really and, and they haven't been allowed to play the way they like. So Roland's been misused and and, and a lot of his, his football has went by the wayside, I think. So there's a few boys in throwing like that, you know, and and I think I think Fergal and Brian are trying to, you know, bring that back on. But I suppose that really unsettled the camp with that one decision, I think. And you know, well that's you know, it's a team decision, it's a personal decision. He wasn't even in the in, in the in the group for the for the final. But um look Did that I, have the knock on impact though? That's that's an interesting theory. Did that have the knock on impact and maybe, you know, uh lead to seven overall departures this year? Sean, thanks for calling in. Have you any last points? Because I want to go back to Michael McMullen before we wrap up. Have you any last yeah. points to leave us on? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I suppose we look at Callum McShane. We look at Conor McKenna this year. Conor McKenna's not firing on all cylinders, and if he was, I think we'd be in a different position. 
the the the, the decision today not to play Derek Canavan from the start was maybe the wrong one. Cahan Shane hasn't been performing all year, and I think they need to look into that. But no, look, fair play to Derry today, and uh, we'll hopefully meet them down the road and and have a better outcome. Sean, thanks for calling in. That was great stuff. Appreciate it. Michael McMullen, where where can Derry get to this year? What is going on with the the Roy Gallagher and Derry? We heard Sean say there that. He's probably never liked Rory Gallagher as an opposition manager. Um, he certainly gives everything on the sideline. How far can you bring him? You just have to unmute your mic there, Michael, if you want to jump back in. Dahi, how far do you think Derry can go? Were you impressed with him today? Oh, I think their next one is, um, I mean, Monaghan. Are we have, really good we have Michael. We have, we oh, have Michael. Oh, Sorry. Oh, have Michael, Mike. jump in there. Yeah, no, well, um, it was a championship one. Uh, Derry's problem are now is now that they are they they're there to be hunted down. The last time they beat Tyrone, Donegal chim, chinned them in the next round, and I suppose Rory had so long to prepare for that game. Now they're well capable of beating Monaghan, you know, and I wouldn't rule that out. My worry as a Derry man is that you have to, as I said to you earlier, you have to get the three big performances back to back. You know that's a tough thing. Um, they drew with Monaghan in the McKenna Cup and uh, I think Rory and Bandy are pretty close I think they've arranged challenge matches so they're, they're familiar enough with each other um, but Derry have got a con- they've got a consistent team that one they got is, is, is massive um, and I suppose they'll carry probably the favourites tag going into the Monaghan game but I wouldn't rule out an, an Ulster final performance or, or, or position for them but uh, it's getting back up to that level again. I'm very, very, very. I'm, I know it's a great win today, Michael, but I'm really surprised that 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 you're as confident that you should beat Monaghan. Placed in Toromar at this stage in the championship, Monaghan, Monaghan are looking really good at the moment. They have a lot of experience. They're playing really, really good football. I, Monaghan will be heavy favourites for that. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say I'm overly confident, but I'm just saying that's where um, we've been without championship success for so long. But I agree with you, Monaghan probably are the form team in Ulster at the moment. Um, but it's about trying to reset the, I suppose, the focus and go for it. But I don't think Derry should be aiming for correct. Yeah, Monaghan. Um, but the, my main reason for you know being sort of convinced that Derry would win today was Rory and his preparation. Um, and that's probably the thing, and they've only got two weeks to do that now. Um, I don't know the exact story, but all during the year, people were talking about there was an approach made from Boston, you know, for X amount of a pound to go and play in America. Mm-hmm. And I suppose most people at that stage were thinking, well, a young fella, you know, cannot turn down whatever amount of money was offered, you know, and and then he left the panel and. The chat seems to be now he's not going to America, but I don't have that factually. You know, I don't have it factually. I wasn't talking to Kieran, but it just seems to be that that was the talk all year, and eventually it must have came to a head, and 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 they've left, um, and that was a massive loss for Derry. Huge, you know, and you know, he even on a bad day he kicks you a couple of points per game, and he was he was Glenn's best player all through the club championship last year. And um, and Derry's definitely a weaker panel without him. But I suppose if, if if himself and Rory have talked about it and he's decided to opt out, then you know that's I suppose that's just the decision you have to make. 
But if it is a money issue about going, it's very hard to turn it down. Do you know? Wait. And then, and then this week there was the talk about Gareth McInnes was following him to America, but th- there was nothing in it. But um, McInnes, McInnes would have been some loss. He had an absolutely titanic game today. He was probably always great last year. I would say give last year. And Connor Glass coming home from Australia is a great addition. But for me, the bi- the biggest addition last year was Gareth McInnes. But yeah. Connor Glass, since he's came home for both Glenn and Derry, has played a defensive midfield role. He's kicked, he's caught very few kickouts because neither the Glenn goalkeeper nor the Derry goalkeeper kick it to him. He's a defensive midfielder, and that's why Glenn excelled because he actually played centre half back for Glenn and let McFall do whatever he wanted. You know, and it was a wee bit like McKinless. Um So, you know. I would rather have McFall on the panel as not, to put it that way, but back yeah, to my yeah. point. And, and as, as GA Wade, every county, if somebody leaves the panel to go to America, you can't say no. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, yeah I, I wouldn't begrudge anyone from in America. Michael, thanks very, much. thanks very much. Thank you for joining us tonight on GA Late Night, Michael. And well done on Colin Derry-Wright. Best of luck, fans are licking their lips. They are 8-11 to 11 favourites. But there's only, a, I think the handicap betting is one point. So, Monaghan are certainly set his favourites already, Dahi. Michael, thanks yeah. for calling in. Thanks for all our callers thanks. this week. Um, here We do have one. Connor, you've got 90 seconds if you want to jump in. Uh, I won't keep you long, Tommy, because you know you need a, a good night's sleep tonight. A big, big <laughs> league game for Cracklow tomorrow now. But, uh, I know yes, it's just, exactly. There was just an interesting one there that there were 15 quid into NS last night, which obviously I said was great value. But, but I mean, do the county boards just. Provincials decide, okay, yeah, because you're bringing a, a few people with you. I mean, 25 it is. It's a great point. I, I, is it the provincial council? The Leinster Senior Football Championship has been the worst championship for about 15 years of all the championships. Yeah, so if my, they're charging more than other championships. Yeah. That's outrageous. Maybe that's one of the reasons why attendances are kind of down. Like, I mean, there's no way that there should be that disparity between. Uh, the game last night and the uh, Longford Westmead game. There's no yeah. way there should be ten euros of a difference in tickets. Under no circumstances should there be. Yeah. yeah, the disparity is the issue there. That 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 would make huge sense to me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Connor, thanks for jumping back in. Very much appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Super, super stuff. Thanks very yeah, much later. to everyone for listening in, and thanks very much to all our callers. There are loads of great callers this week. If anyone wants to get in touch, up the DM on Twitter. And you can line up a chat for next weekend or the weekend after. GA Late Night is going to be podcasted in the OTB GA feed. So you'll get it there if you've missed it live. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with you next week. Do hit subscribe in that GA feed. Just search for OTB GA and you'll get it. You're going to get a load a load of good stuff James O'Donoghue. You're going to get the Hurling Pod with Galway Kilkenny this weekend. Stole the show. So that's going to be box office with Willow Callahan. You're going to get all the GA this week from off the ball in the evenings and in the mornings on OTB AM. And all the weekend reaction, I'll be putting together the GA report and I'll have post-match audio from all the best local stations and our own stuff and off the ball over the weekend. So you'll get that there as well. So wherever you listen to your podcasts, go in there, look for OTB GA and hit subscribe. Thanks again for calling in and we'll talk to you next week on GA Late Night. GA Late Night, live every Sunday evening, 8.30 on Twitter Spaces. Follow at Off The Ball.